If teaching in front of a computer all day has you feeling just as drained, if not more, than teaching on your feet in front of a classroom full of kids, you are not alone. Zoom fatigue, also known as online fatigue, is for real. If you're looking for a reprieve from being in front of a screen 24-7, you may find the answers you're looking for in this interview with Megan Brown, teacher and host of So You Want to Teach with Technology. That's what's ahead on Episode 8 of the Next Chapter for Teachers podcast. a teacher isn't what it used to be. The good news is you don't have to figure it out all on your own. If you're looking for truth, inspiration, and tips for success in the classroom and beyond, you're in the right place. It's time to turn the page to the future of the profession. This is the next chapter for Teachers Podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Erin Spinagle, and thank you for listening to Episode 8 of the Next Chapter for Teachers podcast. I like sharing my perspective about teaching and education with you, but as time goes on, I also want to share other voices from the field. So for today's episode on overcoming online fatigue, we'll hear from Megan Brown, a teacher and technology expert who can share how she has balanced her remote teaching experience this year. Let's go to the interview. Hello, everyone. I'm here today with Megan Brown, the host of the podcast, So You Want to Teach with Technology. Megan is a sixth grade teacher currently teaching social studies at a fully online school in her district this year. She is a Google Certified Educator for Levels 1 and 2, and she will be graduating with a Master's in Instructional Design and Technology this semester. So, Megan, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, well, you're welcome. I'm very excited to have you here and to learn a little bit about how you are dealing with online fatigue. So, tell me a little bit about how teaching has changed for you since the start of this pandemic, because I have a feeling a year ago, you probably weren't a fully remote teacher. Yes, absolutely. If I would have known a year ago what I was doing now, I don't think I would have believed it. Um, So a a year ago, I was teaching in person. I was teaching sixth grade math, which is my dream job. I love sixth grade math. Um, This year, I signed up to be 100% virtual, and they needed a social studies teacher. So I'm teaching social studies now. Um, We are using a little bit of a different curriculum. Um, This year, our district felt the need to have um, just something that we could implement right away. So we purchased a pre-made curriculum that students could do at their own pace. 
um, which is different than we were doing in March last year when we were using Schoology and just making our own resources. So it has been a completely different experience. Um, one thing that I, I do miss is because it is made for students to work at their own pace, I don't get as much live interaction with them as I'm used to. So that's that's been a little bit of a damper on this year. But overall, everyone has had such a positive attitude and it has been a great experience. Well, that's wonderful that you have had a great experience with teaching online. And I feel you, I've been using Schoology. So that must have been a transition from going from a uh, program where you're pretty much have everything planned for you. And previously you were uh, winging it or just making it up as you go, because that's kind of where we were in March. We were just coming up with this as we uh ran into it, making the plane as we flew it. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm still making it up as I go because like I said, I'm not, social studies is not my strong suit. And so I'm kind of learning the material with the kids, but that's okay. So there's a lot of debate right now in the news and social media about students returning to school and the validity, if you will, of remote teaching. So if remote teaching is real teaching, where kids are really benefiting from the remote teaching process, describe for us a day in the life of a remote teacher and what goes on when you're preparing to teach online, especially in your situation where you are fully remote and your only interaction this year with your students has been on the computer. Yeah, so a day in my life, in the morning, we do have a morning meeting with all of our kids. So we each have an advisory. So I meet with about 33 kids every single day in the morning, um, which I am loving because then I get to see at least a fourth of my students daily. Um, after that, each teacher has their own office hours for one hour. So one hour for each subject. And on Monday and Wednesday, we have live lessons, which is the the closest we get to what you would have in a typical lesson in class. Um, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, we still have those office hours, but they're kind of more for students to just pop in and ask questions. Sometimes I'll play games with them to just kind of get to know students better. Um, and then before and after office hours, I'm planning lessons or learning the material. Um, we have so many content meetings, IEP meetings, um, or meetings with other team members. Um, another way that I still try to interact with my students is have GoGuardian up, which allows you to see student computers, and it also allows you to instant message with students. So I like to just kind of check up on students, especially if I know a student's going through a hard time. I like to use that feature to see how they're doing. And then the rest of my time is spent... Um, reaching out to parents, especially of struggling students, trying to get them back on track. So I do spend a lot of time on my email um, and on my phone just trying to contact people. So I did, I kind of expected virtually, teaching virtually, that I would just be able to focus on like one thing at a time, but I am juggling just as many things as I was when teaching in person. I also wanted to mention that um, teaching online has so much value. And I know teachers struggled a lot at the beginning because we really did have to relearn how to teach. But I definitely think now that we've had some time to practice, um, 
people have gotten professional development. I think everyone is more prepared now and doing a really great job. So I think that students can get such a high quality education, even teaching online. I personally love it. And I can't wait to see how our district's virtual school will continue in the future. So it really is a full day, if not even more so than when we were in the classroom in person. Yes, it's a full day. I work from 8 to 3.30. Sometimes I have to stop myself, otherwise I might spend my entire day working. Yeah, it is definitely still a full-time job and still the same commitment as when we were in the classroom pre-March of last year. So that is pretty much the name of the game. Teaching is a very physically and emotionally demanding uh, profession pre-pandemic or currently, and even post-pandemic, it's not going to really change in that aspect. But how has the level or the type of fatigue changed for you as you've gone into remote teaching? I will say my fatigue has not gotten any lighter. I am still drained at the end of each day, but it is a little bit different. It's a different kind of feeling of fatigue than teaching in person. So I noticed when I first started teaching virtually, I just felt drained from staring at a screen for so long, and I was constantly getting headaches. Luckily, this has kind of subsided as my body is adjusted to being in front of the computer more. but I, it's also just weird. I only have a few hundred steps in a workday versus teaching online. I would have thousands. So even though I'm sitting and not being as physically active, I'm just as physically tired, which is something that I was not expecting. I also noticed that the emotional fatigue is extremely noticeable. I'm constantly stressing out about my students' heart who are struggling because it's very taxing worrying about the students, their grades, their emotional state. And I feel like I have so much less control than I did before. Like before when I saw them in person and they were struggling, I could hand them the activity. I could hand them a pencil. I could be their cheerleader and motivate them to get working. But I don't have that much control anymore What I can do is call parents. I can send them a positive note, but just not having that control has been very hard to get used to and to deal with. Right. And we're used to as teachers being able to, when there's an issue or we can see somebody struggling, whether it's academically or they're just having a rough day, being able to talk to them face to face and make that connection to them. And that's much different to do. It can still be achieved, but it's much different to get that same effect across when you're on on a computer and it's through a screen. And that can be very frustrating and very disheartening to us as teachers, knowing that we have students that are struggling or hurting and we can't reach out to them or even make any type of physical or emotional uh, contact like we did last year. Yeah, I mean, the kids definitely know you care because you reach out, but it just doesn't have quite the same effects when you're not not able to put your hand on their shoulder or, you know, make eye contact with them and say, hey, I'm here for you. Yeah. And that in itself can also be very draining, knowing that there's so much about this situation that is out of our control. But we are, like I said, we're building the plane as we fly it and we're making the best of a not so great situation for anyone. And on top of that, we're in the middle of a very long winter, a cold winter, where this pandemic is still going on and we're still bearing the 
the brunt of its effects. Many of us have had to make remote or hybrid teaching work for us for the time being. It may be for the rest of this year. It may be for the rest of this grading period. But for the time being, it is what it is. And we've got to make the best of this situation. So what are some things that teachers can do to alleviate the exhaustion from sitting in front of a computer 24-7? What's helped me the most is about halfway through first quarter, I decided to just make a daily schedule. So I would have a specific time where I would do a specific activity every single day. So I grade at the same time, I lesson plan, I call parents. And this structure has been extremely helpful. I noticed before I used a schedule, everything just kind of ran together. I wouldn't really know when my day would stop. And I would have a hard time knowing just when to stop working. So by having this schedule, it's given me time to get work done, to get all the different tasks that I need completed done throughout the day. And then I also have a specific time where I stop working, I can put everything down and just relax at the end of the day. Um, It's really hard to set those boundaries, but it's really necessary in order to actually have a work life and a a personal life when you're working from home. The other thing that's helpful is just taking some time to get moving, whether it be before you work, um, after, or I like to take just 20 minute breaks throughout the day to do yoga, or I bought like a cheap elliptical for my house, just a way to get up away from the computer um, and moving. Yoga is great because it gives you that physical movement and it also gives you a little bit of peace of mind, which is extremely helpful. Um, Another thing that I started doing was every... At the beginning, I really wanted to be available for my students. I would drop everything I was doing if a student reached out for help. But it got to the point where I stopped taking care of myself. And I would sit down to eat lunch and get an email, can you meet right now? So I would put it down. And I would not end up eating until 3.30 or 4 o'clock. And so... I had to protect my lunchtime, so I no longer accept meetings during lunch. I'll take that half an hour to eat, to take a break, because honestly, if I don't, I'm not taking care of myself physically, which really affects your your ability to function um, and do a good job at being an online teacher. So I no longer feel guilty about having my lunchtime and telling students, no, I can't meet right now. Um, And then the last strategy I would suggest is just find a way throughout the day to communicate with people. Um, I do work from home, and so it's just me and my cat, and it can get pretty lonely. So I love finding times during lunch or something like that to call or video call with a family member or a friend. It just really gives me energy to keep going. Um, I love calling my sister, and she'll put it on video, and I can see my nephew, who I haven't been able to see in person in almost a year. So just little things like that throughout the day really will help alleviate some of that fatigue. You brought up some excellent points, and what you said there about, you know, you have to take care of yourself. Boundaries are so important to making sure that you're taken care of so that you're able to take care of the students. Because if we aren't in the best uh, thinking and physical condition that we can possibly be in, it's hard to be there for other people or be there in a way that you need to be for them. Absolutely. Put on your oxygen mask before you put on someone else's. Excellent. Yes. So sometimes it comes down to changing how we do things. 
you know, the whole working smarter, not harder, so to say, to get through an experience and establish a healthier way of working in general. What are some ways or some strategies teachers can use to streamline their teaching experience so they can get some reprieve from online fatigue? Yeah, so one thing um, I like to do when contacting parents, because that can be an extremely time-consuming task, is I will always call parents first, and usually they don't pick up. So I'll leave a message, and then I'll send them a follow-up text. I know some people might not be comfortable texting parents, um, but I've started using a Google Voice account, so it's not my actual number, and just texting them and saying, I called, I left a message, Um, I wasn't sure if texting was easier for you. So just let me know. And 99% of the time, the parents are completely fine texting. Um, And so it actually makes communication a little bit easier um, because parents don't tend to want to pick up the phone and talk to you, but they will respond really quickly to a text. Um, Another great way to help with Um, communication via email is using templates. So I know I send a lot of the same emails over and over again. For example, um, I mentioned earlier that we have a morning meeting every day. So if someone misses the morning meeting, I send them a follow-up email where they have to like fill out a Google form just so I can count them as being present for the day. So I send this email every single day and you're actually able to save a template so you don't have to keep typing the same thing over and over again or you don't have to copy and paste. You just click a couple buttons and it pops up with your pre-made template. And so that has been a huge, huge time saver. I have one for... Um, When students are failing, I have a positive email. I have my attendance one. So that saves so much time of just typing out emails. And then the last way I would say to help you streamline things is grading. So I know I struggle with, I feel like everything has to be graded by me. I have to give very specific feedback to every student on every single lesson. When in reality, you don't have to grade everything. So some ways that you could make grading a little bit easier are you can send out an answer key and have students judge their own work. You could even do like a Google form where you have students give you feedback on whether they met um, the standard or areas where they're still struggling with. Another thing that I have done is I will go over an assignment in a live lesson and I'll record it and send it out to the students. Um, And that way they can see kind of what the expectation was and judge their own work to see if they met that criteria. I love all the things you suggested there, especially with the templates. That is a great time saver and a great way for you to already kind of have ahead of time what you want to say and then just adjust it for the purpose that you that you need it for at the time. And especially what you said about grading. That is wonderful, giving the kids the ability to still make those decisions and assess their own work and taking the load off of you a little bit and still giving them that power to be able to assess their own work and take ownership over it, even in an online remote situation. Yeah, there were so many times where I created an activity and I was like, we would usually just go over this as a class, but now I have to sit here and grade 140 students' assignments. And then I was like, wait, I don't actually have to do that. We still can go over it. And even if they're not in the meeting, they can still have access to the discussion. That is excellent. That is excellent advice. 
So moving on to self-care, it's become a very trendy buzzword during this time, during this school year. But in all serious, even if you don't contract COVID, which I certainly hope nobody does or nobody has to go through that experience, your physical and mental health is impacted by isolation and limited mobility by not being able to be out and about and do all the things we normally do or would normally be able to interact with in a regular school year. How can teachers keep moving and stay connected to each other to combat the drain of teaching online? And you mentioned some things already with yoga and an elliptical or something to keep you moving at home. But do you have any other advice regarding that umbrella of self-care? Absolutely. And you know, you bring up such a great point. When we're teaching in person, I know I saw at least 100 kids and around 20 teachers every single day. And now I see me and my cat. So it is definitely <laughs> necessary that we find ways to still interact with other people. Um, I know one thing that we can do is have like a virtual happy hour with coworkers, just a way to have some fun Um and communicate in other fun um, atmospheres where you're not just talking about work all the time. Because it is so important that you're able to laugh um, with your coworkers, with your family, and with your friends. I listened to a presentation given by Jack Bergemeyer one time, and he emphasized the importance of laughter throughout the school day. I don't remember the specific number that he said, but he had a quote that was, if you don't laugh at least nine times a day, you're doing your job wrong. And so that's one thing that I've noticed differently with online teaching is I just don't find myself laughing as much. So I think it's important that we make opportunities to just laugh, whether it be with students or with coworkers, because it makes the job so much more enjoyable. Um, I've done just game days with my students where we've played like Among Us, and it's just a fun time and a great outlet to get to know them and to laugh. Um, and I would say if someone is really struggling with mental health, it really is the perfect time to start seeing a therapist. Um, people are able to meet virtually now or do phone sessions if you want to go in person. Um, but I think it's definitely important to seek um, that help if it is something you're really struggling with. Agreed. And I, I really appreciate what you said there about it's important to laugh. And without that in-person interaction, we're really, we really are missing the happy moments and the the memories that we get to make with these kids and have that uh, relief throughout the day where we can smile even if we're stressed. <laughs> yes. So it's important to note that, like what you said there about students and needing to laugh, that it's not just teachers that are feeling this online fatigue this year. Our students are spending more time than ever before learning in front of a screen or just in front of a screen, period. What are some ways teachers can structure their class time or instruction to help your students beat online fatigue? I think the best way to help students through online fatigue is making online interactions really engaging. And I actually have an entire podcast episode on engaging students online because there are so many ideas. I think the biggest things, though, would be when you're making a lesson, get students involved. So I love to start lessons off with an icebreaker of some type. My favorite right now is Four Corners, which I'll make with like a jam board. So I'll have different questions that I ask students with four options, and they have to move their name to whichever option they would pick. And it's just a great way to get to know your kids um, and have some fun and spark discussion before your lesson. 
I also like to use tools like Nearpod um, because this allows you to embed quiz questions, poll questions, collaboration boards. Um, they even have like 3D virtual tours. So a lot of different ways that students can really be active in their learning. So they're not just sitting there listening to a PowerPoint discussion. Another thing, um, a lot of, I know Google Google Meet has started doing this, um, is having breakout rooms. And I noticed that students tend to be very hesitant to speak up. Um, so one thing that I've done to kind of help with that is set up a Jamboard where every group will have their own slide and it will have whatever questions they need to answer so that they can record their thinking. It's also great because I can go through and see which groups need a little bit of help from me in sparking that discussion. Um, but it's a really great way to help motivate students um, and just have a little fun with, with their activities. Um, another way to help students with fatigue is allowing time for play. Um, it's, you know, like you said, it's so true that students are feeling isolated and not having as many opportunities to um, interact with their friends and even just make new friends. So I really like to just play games whenever I can, because that will help with students' uh, mental health so much. Um, another thing, my team actually worked really hard this starting second semester on helping just change the attitude towards online education into something a little bit more positive. So we have monthly reward days where students pick an activity that they want to do. Um, we've done Among Us in breakout rooms. We've watched a movie together and just been able to like type in the chat during the movie. We've done crafts um, and we were actually able to take some pictures and post those on social media of the crafts that the kids made. So it was so much fun. And then we also started using a reward system um, with Class Dojo. So students will earn points for doing different things like submitting their work on time, attending live lessons, having their camera on. Um, and then they can use those rewards to redeem different um or they can use those points to redeem different rewards. So at 10 points, I know they're able to get a positive note card home. We came up with a bunch of a bunch of different ideas. Um, one of them is an assignment pass. For some reason, my kids have a weird obsession with wanting to see the teachers miserable. So one of their possible rewards <laughs> I, I don't know why, but they're really excited about this. They can tell us a weird food combination to eat and we'll eat it in front of them because they just want to oh see us torture. <laughs> I don't know why we agreed to this, but we did. <laughs> um, and then the, the highest one for 100 points, we will send them a pizza. We figured it was like $5 split between five people. You know, we can spend a dollar to get a kid a pizza. So this has been so great for morale. Um, and the kids are turning on their cameras so much more now. And it really makes it feel more like a class. Those are all great ideas. And I think they're all great ideas really to boost the the mood and like you said, the morale, just to to lighten the heaviness of this the season in education or the season in life, really, to give us all something to be a little lighthearted about, even when things are not uh, so lighthearted in the news. Yeah, and we really just wanted those kids who are doing everything that they should be doing. We wanted them to see that it's not going unnoticed. Great. Yes. So while the end is in sight, 
we still don't know for certain when or how this altered state of teaching is going to go back to normal, if there is a going back to normal. Because chances are there are aspects of teaching online or just using digital learning in general that are here to stay. What are some things that you feel need to be considered for the future, either on a school or district level, to help teachers use technology to reach their students and still take into account the physical and mental drain that comes from being in front of a screen? Absolutely. I know my district is actually planning on continuing the virtual school for as long as people are going to sign up. So I I don't think virtual education will ever actually go away. Um, especially because there have been a lot of kids who just learn better this way. And it's helpful, um, especially in high school, if they have to help support their family with a job, having or be, having the option to learn virtually is really great for those students. Um, one thing to I would suggest to districts is to keep in mind is how important professional development is. I think it's important that teachers are getting continuing professional development because Technology is changing so frequently. I made a podcast episode about Google Meet, and it is already out of date. So it's really important that teachers are staying up to date with changes that are happening with technology. It's also important that we start holding students accountable for work online. I know it's so important right now with everything going on that we're giving students grace, But as this is becoming more of a lifestyle than a survival method, it is going to be necessary that we hold students accountable for their work. I think it's necessary that schools provide instruction about online safety and about how to just use technology for school. I know a lot of schools do something like this already. I know we do a day or two of online safety at the beginning of the year, like don't give out your personal information online. But I kind of think that we're getting to the point where structured instruction is really going to be necessary. um, Just for students to be able to use the resources they have um, appropriately. And because so many students are using social media, that um, that safety aspect is not going away. I know students are really awesome at figuring things out on their own, but everything just changes so frequently and we're relying so heavily on technology that we're, I think formal instruction on technology is going to be helpful for everyone. You bring up very good points with the safety aspect of being online and how when we got thrown into this in March, uh, it was pretty much everybody in the pool figure it out. But we didn't really have a time to talk to kids about, you know, the accountability measures of being online and doing your work, and as well as the safety aspect of making sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do, and you're staying safe. Absolutely. Great. Well, Megan, you have been such a great resource to our listeners today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Where can our listeners go to find out more about your podcast and the many resources that I'm sure you have for helping teachers teach with technology? Yeah, I would suggest going to my Twitter or my Instagram um, at the number two, Teach With Tech. From there, there's a link to um, my website that has my podcasts. um, And I like to update, or I like to do Technology Tuesdays, um, where I'll just give helpful 
hints on different technology tools. Great. Megan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And I think our listeners have really gained a new perspective on how to combat online fatigue. Thank you so much. I don't know about you, but I really feel Megan provided some great advice for anyone who has found themselves teaching in front of a computer screen this year. Be sure to subscribe to her podcast so you want to teach with technology and check out her resources on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at To Teach With Tech. I'll put those links along with her blog in the show notes. Let's recap just a few of the amazing pieces of advice from Megan today. Create a daily schedule, including scheduling a time when you'll get up, move, and eat to help combat online fatigue. Consider using templates for Google Forms to streamline your communication with parents. Be intentional about the assignments you grade and involve students in the assessment process. Allow time to connect with students online in an interactive and fun way, even if it means taking a brain break. For more excellent tips on how to improve your online teaching experience, be sure to listen to Megan's podcast and read her blog. That's all for this episode of the Next Chapter for Teachers podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave a rating, subscribe, and give a review. Join us next time when we turn the page to the future of the profession. Until then, I'm Erin Spinagle, reminding you to be different, but more importantly, be the difference. And I'll see you in the next chapter.